Welcome to Jiri Snacks, snackable episodes about the Jiri exam and graduate school admissions. I'm Tyler, the founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable Jiri course that uses memory-based adaptive learning technology to get you better results in less time. You can try it out for free by visiting achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast will get you 10% off at checkout. Also, if you have a question or topic you'd like us to discuss in a future episode, please contact me at tyler.achievable.me with the subject line podcast topic. Now, let's get started. Today we have Jason from Ivy Coach. And Jason, I'd love if you could just tell a little bit about yourself and then uh, your company to start things off here. Sure. So I'm Jason Weingarten. I'm a senior college admissions consultant with Ivy Coach. Uh, Ivy Coach, we've been in the world of highly selective admissions since the mid-90s. We have a generation of success. Uh, Primarily, we started out as helping high school students get into the undergraduate colleges of their dreams, but as we had success there, and so many of those undergraduate students began to look at master's programs, uh, they would call us up and ask us, hey, can we help them for law school or business school or, or whatever PhD program? And so over the years, we've built up an expertise in helping students uh, to get into the graduates, master's level uh, courses and programs of their dreams as well. Yeah, fantastic. And so that is actually the topic of today's episode, right? Is is when you're applying to business school, do you take the GRE or the GMAT? And then kind of what else do you need to be thinking about as you're getting ready to apply to business school? Um, so why don't we kick things off? Let's just talk about sort of where is the GRE fall in sort of the business school ranking world or just the admissions world? So I think now is a very interesting time when it comes to the GRE's use, specifically when it comes to business programs and and the top business schools. So if we were having this conversation 10 years ago, um, it would have been, you know, just testing the waters, uh, these programs, you know, a lot of the top programs trying to attract more applicants and trying to find ways to lower the barriers um, that exist on the application. So some of those schools a decade ago started to allow students to submit GRE scores in lieu of GMAT scores. Uh, And it was really, again, testing the waters, trying to get more students to apply. And you can imagine, um, you know, the rankings, the more students that apply, the lower your acceptance rate is, the better you're going to do in the ranking. Uh, During the time of COVID, Um, I'd say that that's probably the next milestone uh, when a lot of these schools uh, at that time started to see uh, and get a real familiarity with how to look at the GRE. Uh, So they weren't necessarily testing the water, dipping a toe in. They were, you know, a little bit more full into it. They had seen enough GREs, uh, especially in business schools. If you think, you know, most of those programs, again, two years. Um, they had seen some of the outcomes of some of the students that were initially in those early GRE cohorts. And so they had a little bit more data right. and understanding. Uh, and also at that time, uh, lots of schools started to go test optional out of necessity, they would say, in trying to you know, not um, you know, have students be in confined spaces for hours taking these tests and, and you know, whatnot. But uh, really, again, well, right. Think, and a lot of test centers weren't even open, right? <laughs> well, that's right. I mean, if you wanted to apply to business school and you had not taken your standardized tests at that time, uh, you would have been out of luck. Um, and so a lot of schools offered some sort of waiver 
uh, or they offered some sort of way to, you know, kind of say they were test optional. Um, and that's, uh, you know, another topic for another podcast later down the line. Uh, but that's kind of the next, you know, milestone. Uh, where we're at now is that schools are fully familiar with the GRE. Schools are really expecting to receive standardized tests of some, uh, of, of some stripe. And also that the rankings agencies are now able to understand what the GRE is. And so previously, uh, the ranking agencies were only really interested in the GMAT. Um, mm -hmm. But now, when it comes to the rankings, uh, they are going to look at the GRE scores of that average uh, admitted class. And they also uh, are going to start having penalties and handicaps for students, uh, for schools rather, that are a little bit too test optional and are not admitting enough students that have enough of those data points behind them. Right. Yeah. And I think that that is sort of the natural response um, to, for what is, for lack of a better way of phrasing it, like a race to the bottom that kind of occurred with COVID-19, where, um, you know, the schools are, just for the listeners, like the schools are worried about their rankings. And it kind of influences a lot of how they behave as admissions uh, officers or, or what have you. And so there are, uh, if you, one of the ways to increase your ranking is to become more selective. That means accepting less people, which generally means, because your class size doesn't change a ton, generally means having more people apply, right? So if you become a test optional school, it's easier to apply. You get more applications. And that's something that particularly in undergrad admissions is uh pretty much proven at this point right like i think the uc U usc and ucla went test optional i think last year and they got like 40 percent more applications or something crazy like that obviously they're included in the rankings directly so if you are admitting you know if your average gre score at a top school is like 164 165 creeping up to 166 uh that's obviously going to have a direct impact but at the business school level in the rankings, usually the peer review uh, plays a larger role than the undergraduate level. And so they, you know, the rankings agencies will send out a survey to people that work at all the different business school programs all across higher ed. And they will basically ask those individuals, what are your perceptions of these schools? You know, which ones are the best? Which ones are in the next tier? You know, is A better than B and, and so on and so forth? And if you are a program and you're able to blast out these vanity metrics that, you know, we've got more better students that are taking right. these exams and are scoring higher and we're admitting them and, and you're able to create a lot of buzz, then, well, that's going to trickle into how you're going to be perceived in the industry. And that's also going to have an impact on your ranking. And so there's tons of reasons why these schools actively want to admit students that have test scores and actively want to admit students that have good test scores. Right. And simultaneously have lots of students apply. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that they may not necessarily admit. Um, but yeah, I think it is important that, and that kind of touches on like the next point that we were going to talk about, which is that at the end of the day, while test optional definitely serves a purpose, it is still probably in your best interest to come up with a good test score. Right. It's it's Definitely. kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, the absence of a test score is not going to hurt you, but a, a, a positively correlated test score will definitely help you. 
I think that's right. I mean, we're not necessarily at the point now where like the cost of having no test score is too great. Um, I don't think we're at the point where admissions committees are looking at that and just going to assume, well, the student clearly didn't do well on the exam because they don't have a test score and this student should know better. And oh my gosh, we can't admit them because it's probably telling us, right? That doesn't exist at this point. But yeah. it, you know, we could be at that point maybe in 10 years if we had to sit down and, 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 and record then. Right, because what these schools are doing, I mean, you mentioned, you know, 10 years with the GRE meant they kind of had like at least, you know, eight full classes of data that went through, right? Because um, it takes two years mm-hmm. to kind of bake. Uh, and I'm sure that they're just doing the same thing with their test optional students, right? Yep. And so there are some universities like MIT for undergrad that have already gone back to requiring tests. Mm-hmm. Um, and their justification for that basically is, MIT has a lot of really hard math, and if you can't figure out the math section of the SAT, you're not going to figure out math at MIT, right? So we need, That's right. To, we need to require this. And I, I, I see tougher schools in particular, more selective schools, probably taking the same tack depending on how the data shakes out. Uh, but they're definitely watching it. And so it'll be interesting, like you said, to revisit this in a few years and see kind of where the chips fell. That's right. The whole test optional thing. Um, but so we're recommending you you take a test, right? There's the GRE, there's the GMAT, and then there's this kind of new one, the executive assessment. Um, and I, you know, where do you kind of think that they all sit in sort of their in sort of this universe? And do you recommend different ones to different people, maybe based on what they're good at or based on their schedule? So I would say that. You know, when it comes, and we're obviously talking directly to, you know, the business school population um, here, you know, students that are interested in applying to B school and, and, you know, pursuing an MBA program. When it comes to the GRE versus the GMAT, um, what I really would recommend is to take both and to, you know, do that at home, a diagnostic. Um, you know, you don't need to pay the test fee to go into the test center and, and do this, but you can rather, you know, take a practice uh, GRE from the ETS. You can do the same with the GMAT uh, and you can see how you do. Um, you know, there are concordance tables that exist. Um, the GMAT doesn't want to uh, have students using those concordance tables because the GMAT has a, you know, a direct interest in being the test of record for business schools and to keep that patina about them. Uh, but you can clearly look at the score that you would get on the GRE uh, and the score that you would get on the GMAT, and you can see what percentile that would fall into and compare right. and contrast. Uh, I would say if you are clearly a better GRE person, um, then you should consider, you know, taking advantage of the fact that these schools want to admit students that have high test scores. And if you can get a higher test score in the GRE, you're a GRE person, go for it. Uh, if you are, on the other hand, someone who is scoring better at the GMAT, uh, you know what, you are a GMAT person. If you are someone who, after taking both, um, you know, it's kind of a tie, there is no real statistical difference. I would say that tie is going to go to the GMAT. Uh, you know, again, that still today is going to be the preferred test for these uh, admissions offices. 
you know, these schools, um, these programs, you know, you don't get the stereotypical ivory tower conservative stereotype for nothing. Uh, you know, they are used to using the GMAT, uh, and they're going to be most comfortable with the GMAT. And so if, if it's a tie, then it's definitely tie goes to the GMAT. Uh, the one yeah. exception I'll say about all of that is if you are horrible at math and you, you know, can't remember anything from high school math, uh, you can't even remember how many sides a triangle has, maybe that is a reason not to do uh, the GMAT if you are a tie. Uh, just because the amount of incremental effort for the GMAT math for non-math like people is a little bit higher. And so if you are, you know, you don't need to be an Einstein with math. But if you know that you are just, you hate math, that was your least favorite subject, it's pulling teeth, can't even, you can't even do systems of, of one equation, then maybe math is is not your strong suit. Maybe the GMAT is not the one that you should do if if you do kind of end up in that tie. Yeah, and and I actually took the GMAT um, myself, and what I found also, and I don't know if this mirrors experiences you've had with other people, but at least this is what my experience was like. Um, I found that the GMAT was less about solving math problems and more about solving logical puzzles related to math problems. And for me, at least, I feel like the GRE is a lot more like solve the math problem, whereas the GMAT in includes this sort of like logic problem-solving component layer on top, right? And so that was where I struggled, at least, with the, the quant section of the GMAT. And I feel like maybe if... You know, when you're taking the two tests, pay attention to kind of what, how you feel about solving the problems, right? And particularly, mm -hmm. maybe even see if you can f find some practice sets of like more advanced ones, because both of the tests are adaptive. Yeah. So they're both going to have, you know, easier and harder problems in their question bank. And try and find some hard ones from both if you're aiming for a top score, just to see you know, oh, the more difficult GMAT ones are actually a lot harder than the more difficult GRE ones or what have you. No, I think, I think that's definitely right. Um, you know, in the entire data sufficiency, I mean, those are, you know, logic questions at the end of the day, as you call them. They're not solve, mm -hmm. the, solve the equation problems. And so if you are someone who um, is just really anti-math, um, you know, that's the one area that I would see people struggle with. I, I don't think that there's, necessarily a reason to you know go down the list and think well i you know i have i'm better at vocab and so that's a, a point for the gre or oh well i'm i'm better at this and so that that's that's a reason to take the gmat um you know at the end of the day uh schools want to admit students that have high scores however you are going to get the highest score is how you should go and take which it should be the way that you decide which of the two exams to take Right. And then the other thing you mentioned uh, was percentiles. And I thought that was a really important thing to just like outline for people who maybe haven't thought of it before. Um, most business schools either publish or you can Google um, what basically like what GRE scores or GMAT scores people had and the, what we call the percentiles, but basically like what was the top 10% of scores looking like? What was the top 20% of scores? 30, 40, 50. And so 
really you should be looking at for that data to figure out like what is the score range and the mean mm-hmm. of the school you're applying to and then how do i make sure that at a bare minimum i'm you know at least in the top 75% if not the top 50% of scores Right? That's right. I think you want you want to aim higher as high as possible, but I think if you're if you're not even going to make it into the top seventy five percent of scores for that school, it's probably maybe even not even worth applying. Or at least I would be very. I'd nervous. be hesitant to to recommend yeah. it. I mean, most schools instead of you know if they are giving an average score, then great. But mm-hmm. most schools will give that range. Um, you know, whether it's an interquartile range or, or otherwise, and. You know, you want to be, you know, at or above um, that interquartile range. Um, you know, obviously, the higher the score, the better. But if you are, you know, not even in that interquartile range um, of, of students that have been successfully admitted in the past year, um, that might give you pause. There's, you know, I, I think we could go down the list of reasons why and who are students that are going to be in that bottom 25% of admitted students by by the test scores um but i don't think that you want to go into the admissions process thinking that that's going to be you i think you want to go in there as, as the higher the score right. the better and so what however you're going to get your highest score uh that's what you should be uh pursuing right exactly and then i think while we're just talking about getting your highest score um the one thing i do want to just reiterate um to what you said jason is take the real ets gre practice test that they have online take the real gmac gmat practice test that they have online do not take a comparison test from a third party right and do not even i would say don't take any third party test right like the as much as people like us at achievable like we try our best to make accurate tests there is only one source of truth, which is the people that make the real test. So, definitely. so you should, for a decision this big, you should definitely be using those and making your decision based off of that information. Definitely. Those previous exams that have now been retired and are publicly available and released online at your, at your uh, local library, the bookstore, if you give Jeff Bezos some money, he'll send it to you. Um, you know, those are really the gold standard of tests and those should be treated, um, you know, with the weight in gold uh, because they are, you know, what's official and what's out there and, and they should really be what's being used. Um, I had a student um, that, you know, came to me and basically said that they chose their what, what tests to take based on reading like like almost like a BuzzFeed style quiz listicle, um, yeah, exactly. which, which didn't involve any actual exams. Uh, any actual tests, questions, any actual anything, um, don't do that. <laughs> right. That put, if you're gonna, if you're willing to spend two years of your life in business school, if you're willing to spend the amount of time it takes to actually, you know, put a good application together, spend the extra little bit of time to make sure that you're on the right path to begin with. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the only other thing then that I think is a kind of distinct difference between the two tests that I want to cover is just the adaptive format of each test. Um, So both the GRE and the GMAT are computer-based exams. The GRE is adaptive by section. So basically you'll do a quant section, and then your next quant section will be easier or harder. Then you'll do a verbal section, and then your next verbal section will be easier or harder based on how you did on the 
entire first section. The GMAT is question adaptive. So it literally will change the difficulty of the next question based on the previous question. And so the biggest, uh, the biggest sort of thing where this maybe is important for people also is that on the GRE, it means you can skip questions and go back as long as you're within the same section. But on the GMAT, because they're using your answer on question two to determine what difficulty question three will be, uh, you cannot skip or go back. So based on those things, do you feel like there's, you know, different types of test takers that are more successful with either format? I don't necessarily think that is a primary, maybe even a secondary reason to choose one exam or the other. I think mm -hmm. overall, um, a trap I see students falling into when it comes to the GRE is they will, in the second section, try and guess how they're doing based on if questions have become more difficult or not. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. That is using your brain and mental capacity to focus on something that is not going to help you get this question right, right now. Uh, and so I, I think that is, you know, one trap that I see GRE students falling into. Yeah, I mean, I think that goes for both tests. Um, I definitely <laughs> found that when I was taking the GMAT quant, I was noticing when the problems got harder and easier, but it also, like you said, was probably a distraction, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I think it's a distraction on both. Um, I think, you know, there are some people that really like having the option to skip problems and go back, so that's just a personal preference thing. Yeah. But like you said, which test you're going to perform better on is way more important than anything else. That's right. Yeah. Um, great. Any other closing thoughts on this topic before we wrap up? You know, the only other thing that I would say is about the scores that are being sent now and right. the test population of who's actually sitting for the tests in the first place. So, for example, when it comes to the GRE, there's a lot of non-business people that are sitting for that exam because they are going to be pursuing master's level work in any other topic, any other academic discipline under the sun. And so right. the top percentiles when it comes to the quant section of that exam are going to be much higher to the perfect score than it is the GMAT. You know, for example, you know, out of the 170 of uh, the GRE, uh, the 90th percentile is a 168. Uh, that is pretty much getting nearly every single question correct. That is no or little room for error. Um, that is just two, again, two points off of the top mark. Uh, that 90th percentile for the GMAT, uh, when it comes to the math section, uh, the quantitative section, uh, that is going to be closer to like a 47 out of 51 on the kind of scale score or like a 710 out of 800 overall. Uh, and so there is a little bit more variance and dispersion at the top of the spectrum. Uh, and also, you know, math and quant, that is the section that the business schools are primarily going to be looking at to begin with. Uh, and so there are some students that, you know, again, the students um, that are just anti-math um, that maybe want to think more GRE uh, because it might be easier to get in that higher percentile uh, at the GRE, given that there's a lot of non-math people also taking that test. Uh, but you really need the kind of flip side of that is you really need to be 
getting lots of those questions right to be in that upper upper uh, percentile. Yeah, that's interesting because that some of what you're saying is mirrored what I've heard from other people, and some of it's a little different. Um, like just specifically, uh, I've heard that, or some of the, one of the blog posts that we researched actually is that if you look at the percentiles for top business schools for the GRE and, and GMAT, the percentiles are actually more forgiving on the GRE side. Like to get into like HBS, mm -hmm. you need like a 92nd percentile GRE math score and like a 96th or 97th percentile GMAT math score, like things like that. So it's just like a little bit more forgiving on the GRE side. Um, but it is also interesting that the GMAT score range at the sort of the top 10% of that pyramid is a bit more varied, right? I think, I think as you said, right, if you're looking for a top G, uh, GRE quant score, you're basically looking at like 165 plus and it's 165 to 170, right? There's not a ton of room there mm -hmm. versus I think anything over a 700 on the GMAT quant is considered good, mm -hmm. but there's, you know, 700 to 800 is a big range. That's right. Um, and so I, I think what's, what we're seeing there is that the top programs are just becoming a little bit more aware about, you know, how to look at the GRE. They're becoming a little bit more used to it. And so they're, I think, zeroing in and there's going to be, you know, probably, you know, percentiles going to creep up on the GRE as they have become and as they're getting uh, and continue to get more familiar with that exam. Uh, when it comes to, you know, the scores, I mean, you know, there's, you know, if you just look at how many possible outcomes there are, um, you know, whether it's, you know, the, the top percentiles is, you know, 10 possible numbers, uh, or whether the top percentiles is like four or five possible numbers. Um, I think that is you know, something that's a little, maybe inside baseball and a little bit more, you know, kind of data based. But I think mm. it's something that, you know, there's a little bit, you know, more room for error in your score on the GMAT. Um, and, but there's, you know, probably less, you know, wiggle room with the actual, you know, correct or incorrect answers on the GRE. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks. This has been GRE Snacks, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with Jason Wingarden from Ivy Coach. And Achievable has an online GRE course that you can try for free at, by visiting Achievable.me. And if you like it, be sure to use the code podcast to save 10%.